Hi, and welcome to a podcast from Hope Springs Church Coventry. For more, please find us on Facebook at Hope Springs Church or on Twitter, we're at Hope Springs Cobb. Thank you and enjoy. So, we are starting a new three week little mini series just on this idea of Barnabas community. Um, obviously we shared about the vision and things last on Wednesday and over the next three weeks I'm just going to look at three different aspects of it um, with Susie she's going to look at one of these aspects and now I've tied her into that because I've just said it publicly so she's going to do that um, just three different aspects of it so today um, I'm going to start with this idea we talked about um, as a Barnabas community it's about helping people forward on their journey and helping them forward on the kind of path and the purpose that God's called them to um, and so I just want to turn to Romans 8 just go to Romans 8 because it's important with that we don't get caught up into this idea that I've got to just be this or be this be or, or be this to be on the journey God's called me to that it's not certain people are further ahead on their journey because they are doing certain things compared to me who is only doing this that we can't compare in that way we can't compare based on um, things that we could determine as success and go well they're more successful than me because they've done this, this and this um, and I've only done this what we've got to base it on is, is are we faithful to what we've been given to do when we talk about it people often quote the thing saying well done good and faithful servant and the key of that is that they were good and faithful i.e. what they were shown and what they were given they they managed and they used and they did what they could with it It wasn't that they copied another person or did what another person did and that made success but actually is they did what they were they had a, 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 a that what they received from god is what they used and what they did and that's the faithfulness part of it that as soon as i start to compare i get lost down a rabbit one that just takes me nowhere good when i just go god i live before an audience of one i live before you what is it you've called me to do what is it you've shown me to do and I, i'm faithful to that that's real success if we want to use that word success that that that's true success and the ultimate thing if we're looking at the, this idea of a journey the ultimate thing therefore we look at is the idea okay it's a journey what, what we're kind of looking at as a marker, as a destination along the way. Um, I just want to go to Romans 8. And it says this in Romans 8 verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. And this idea that actually my ultimate destination one of a better expression the ultimate measure of of what it is i'm called to do the ultimate measure of what it is for me to move forward on my journey is about being conformed and transformed into the image of jesus that 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 is it that comes before some kind of healing evangelist before some kind of apostle before a prophet before someone that moves prophetically whatever it may be that aim being conformed to the image of jesus that is my ultimate calling that that is my ultimate purpose and that that is that is what i aim for sometimes in in church but also in society at large we have these kind of targets have been okay i want to be a ceo of this company by this point i want to be an apostle i want to be this i want to be this i want to be this i want to lead the church i want to do whatever it may be and those things are not necessarily wrong in themselves they're not wrong in themselves but actually the ultimate thing i go for is i want to be conformed to the image of jesus i want to live and love and look like jesus in how i conduct myself that is it 
That is ultimately it. And this idea where it's being conformed to his image is not like, okay, I follow these six steps and I, I then look and be like Jesus. But actually, no, as soon as I've met Jesus, as people in, the, in this room who have met Jesus, in that moment, I am, I am changed into the image of the one I've just met. That he has made me like him. That the Bible talks about the fact that, that he became sin so that we could become the righteous of God. That he who knew no sin was made to be sin that we could become the righteous of God. That he gave us his identity. That as soon as I meet and encounter Jesus, I receive his identity. I, I receive who he's made me to be and that never changes. That I'm a child of God, I'm the righteous of God, and that doesn't ever change. Whether I live my life in complete um, oppositeness to the heart and the character of God, I'm still a child of God at that point, because I've encountered him and that's changed me. So this word conformed is a similar word to this idea of being transformed. And the, the word conformed basically means this. It says this, by sharing the same inner essence of identity so sharing that same inner identity and then it says this by sharing similar behavior because of having the same essential essence so my behavior is similar to his first and foremost because i have the same essence the same nature the same identity as him I can't put behavior before identity i can't go well, i'll behave in this way and that will get me the identity of Jesus. I have to go, I, will, I am like him, and therefore I behave like him. That I come to an awareness of the fact that he's made me the same, and therefore now I behave the same. Not I'll behave the same, then I'll be the same. No, I'm already the same, and therefore I behave that way. And this idea of being conformed, being transformed, there's a connection between those two words. And you can turn if you want to. Romans 12 kind of picks up this same idea again. That it says in Romans 12 verse 1, um, again, still Paul talking, says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, the idea of conformed again, um, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. That idea of transformed is a very similar connotation. It's the idea that it's that. You know the word metamorphosis, or the thing that happens to butterflies is the best thing. That the inside a caterpillar is the potential to express butterfly characteristics. It's not that it has to have its DNA altered or changed. That actually, it contains in it, in a caterpillar form, it, it contains in it everything it needs to express itself as a butterfly. It just goes through a process, and then it expresses itself fully as that caterpillar as that butterfly in the same kind of way we have everything on the inside of us to express ourselves as Jesus in this world because he's made us like him and therefore it's not about me attaining to something that isn't already there it's about me realising what he's already done it's about me looking into Jesus the author and finisher of my faith it's about me beholding him and as I behold him I begin to be transformed that isn't changed in the sense of what we consider changed that um, I'm going to change this thing to be this thing that is transformed that is to be what's on the inside is expressed outwards the right now sitting in this room, every single one of us, because we've encountered and met with Jesus and received from him, we have the potential to express ourselves in just the same way that he did. There's not a deficiency, because my ability to do that is based on his ability to do that, because he's given that to me. Just one other one. 
we just go to 2 Corinthians 3. It's taken an incredible amount of self-control not to stay on these verses right now because I've got other stuff to go to because I, I, I really like this bit. So just, I'm, I'm proud of myself right now from that point of view. Um, 2 Corinthians 3, uh, verse 16, let's start with. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the, the, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, I've been able to see clearly, behold, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So this idea that when I behold Jesus... When I see Jesus, when I read my Bible, when he illuminates things from my Bible, when I spend time in worship, when I spend time with other people, when I behold Jesus, I am transformed, that same word, I am transformed into the same image. Why? Because that image has already been put on the inside of me. So when I behold him, I begin to express, like a butterfly, I begin to express the characteristics that have always been there. That I'm transformed into that image. It's really key that it says two real significant things. When I behold him. It's not about I will work hard at expressing Jesus. It's about when I behold him. When I spend time with him. When I give myself in worship to him. I begin to be transformed. Another, another really significant part of that thing. It says from glory to glory. Just as by the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit begins to work on the inside of me as I behold Him. And the Holy Spirit begins to transform me into the image that I'm beholding. And it's not like that. It says from glory to glory. That it's bit by bit. It's step by step. That when I look back on my life in 10 years time, I'd be like, my goodness me, look at the journey of transformation. Look at the journey of not I've become something new, but actually I've become something where I'm expressing who I've always been more than I was before. Why? Because I behold, I, I beheld Jesus. I've just given time to beholding him. And therefore I've just begun to express it. And sometimes I fundamentally believe that the most powerful point is when we don't even notice it. Because what happens when I start to notice it, is I start to behold the compliment someone's given me. Or behold the thing that I'm <laughs> proud of. <laughs> behold the thing that I'm proud of. And therefore my beholding turns away from Jesus to my own achievements and my own accomplishments, my own things. In themselves are not bad, but they they can never be the things that I behold. Because then I'm limiting myself to that. And I stay still. I don't move forward. And there's nothing wrong with celebrating the amazing things that happen, but we can't camp there. Go, look at this amazing achievement. Look look at this amazing thing even the church has done. Look at how amazing it is. And what happens, we begin to behold the achievement and lose sight of the one who we had our eyes on before. And therefore we stay here. We get camped here. But actually I'm determined in my own life. So God, I want to just behold you. And I may never even notice, really, the impact that I have. I may never even really notice the kind of level of... uh, uh, of transformation that occurs around me but in a way I'm not bothered because I want to have my eyes on you I want to have my gaze on you because I know that as that happens I begin to express fully what you've always made me to be and it begins to be expressed out and that is our ultimate destination that is our ultimate goal all the other stuff is secondary or or all the uniqueness in gifting the uniqueness in gifting and the and the beauty of that that, that is good and is right and is holy but that is secondary 
It is secondary to my ultimate aim of like, I want to just behold you and be transformed into the image of you. I just want to live and look and, and behave like Jesus. I want to, that's my ultimate goal. The other stuff is, is, is secondary to that. And that, that's so fundamentally significant because one of the things we were talking about on Wednesday was the idea that sometimes there's a pressure to go, what am I called to do? What am I destined to do? What am I designed to do? And there's nothing wrong with those questions. But when that becomes my aim... I get frustrated and distracted and pulled aside. My aim is not that. My aim is, God, behold you. And on that journey, we will find that uniqueness. And you may never even really notice it, but on that journey, I'll find that uniqueness. Um, because if we just go to one more scripture, just go to 1 Corinthians 12. Because there is specificness. There is. There is distinctness. There is uniqueness. We know that from just the fact we're sitting in this room and none of us look the same. There's uniqueness. God has created us in different ways for purpose. And it's important that we celebrate that difference and uniqueness. The issue is not that we don't do that. The issue is that that's not priority. Our priority is I go for the image of Jesus to be conformed to that image. And then from that, I find the uniqueness, the thing that makes me kind of a little bit different to Luke or a little bit different to Susie, but actually means that we complement in that sense. And, th- and there's a beauty in that. Because in 1 Corinthians 12, it says, it's massive, I'm not going to go for the whole thing, but it talks about, uh, he, Paul using the idea of a body. And he says this, for as, as the body is one, it has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is in Christ. The idea that there's one body, we are one body, but there's many members, there's many parts, there's many facets, there's, there's hands, there's arms, there's, there's, there's legs, there's fingers, there's toenails, there's fingernails, there's goodness knows what else is. There's different aspects. And those different aspects do different things. And I'm not going to read it all now for time, but you can read it yourselves. And there's, there's a few really significant expressions that he uses in there that I think are very powerful. The first one is he talks about this in the context of Jews and Greeks, slaves and free. That we come from different backgrounds, we come from different places, different ethnic groups, but actually we're still one body. But he's not necessarily talking about the fact that we remove that uniqueness. The uniqueness that makes the Greek the Greek and the Jew the Jew. There's history in it and there's there's culture and there's background in those things that are not meant to be got rid of in the sense of the beautiful aspects of those different cultures. But actually those different cultures and contexts create a difference in the body of Christ. And we celebrate that difference. We, we celebrate that, that, that uniqueness and that, that kind of different upbringing as long as it brings that kind of glory and that honour to Christ in that sense. That we're one body but, but there's uniqueness. The second thing that's really fascinating is he says that the first time he talks about it is he mentions the fact that I can't remember which body part it is but the hand can't say I'm not of the body because I'm not an eye. Or the foot can't say I'm not of the body because I'm not a head, or whatever it didn't say that, or shoulder, whatever it may be. Okay, and this idea that actually sometimes the first thing we go to do is going, I'm not like Matt, so I'm not as good. I'm not like Adam, so I'm not as good. I'm not like Ella, so I'm not as good. The no for me, that is my go-to narrative. I can't do, or I don't do what Beth does, therefore I'm not as good. And that is the first thing that I, that I think, personally, for most people, happens. And so there's two responses to that. go, I'll just give up and not do anything. Or, I'll try and be like Beth. Because if I, me as the hand, I can be more like a foot. Sorry, I'm a foot right now. Um, then I'll be better. Because my handness is just rubbish. It's just pointless. What's the point of it? I don't do anything. Okay? But then, and therefore, I'll be more like a foot. And, that, and you see, there, there where comparison comes in. 
that in that kind of search for uniqueness, which is not wrong, but as I find that on the journey, if I don't have a sense of, like, actually, my ultimate purpose is to, is to be, behold the one who's made me, and to fall in love with him and know how much he loves me, when that, that's not the ultimate thing, then comparison comes in. Because I go, actually, I should be more like Beth, or more like Susie, or more like Malcolm. Because when I'm more like them, then I'm more okay. But actually, no, 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 no. I'll find security in the fact that I am a hand or I am a foot or whatever it may be and therefore that, that's the way he's made me and when I find the fact that actually that fits into this ultimate aim of being conformed to Jesus then that kind of brings a bit more of a peace and a rest the second thing that's amazing there is, is it then does the other way around it goes actually well Lydia's not like me so what do I have to do with Lydia or Trish is not like me therefore we don't need Trish and then this idea of dismissiveness of other people it's not that me now being insecure and going actually I'm not like Beth, therefore I'm not any good. It's me going, actually, they're not like me, so they're not any good. And again, that comes in because we make the aim being a hand, being a foot, being an apostle, being a prophet, being a whatever it may be. We make that the aim. And that, therefore I either dismiss myself because I'm not that or dismiss other people because they're not that. And that's the problem. When that becomes the aim, it all falls apart. When the aim is I'll be conformed to the image of Jesus then I start to enjoy the uniqueness of what he's made me. I start to enjoy the fact that I'm a toenail. Thank you, Jesus, for making me a toenail. Do you know what I mean? And it sounds daft because we think it's lesser. The, in, the instinctive reaction is we think things are lesser. Even in my description of that, and I'm saying it, but I describe toenail, we go, well, toenail, what's the point of toenail? Do you know what I mean? But we do, we think, well, what's the point of toenail? And that is sometimes what we do. But when I was actually, I'm a, I'm a wonderful toenail. I'm amazing. And it's that kind of security in the fact that that's what he's made me to be. That's who he's called me to be. Because my aim is not being a toenail. My aim is being conformed to the image of Jesus. And if I express that by being a toenail, I'll be the best possible toenail I can ever be. And by me doing that, there's a beautiful line in, in from, it's in Coach Carter, but actually by Nelson Mandela, I think, said it. The idea that when my greatest fear is not, not that I am inadequate, but it is that I am powerful beyond measure. And that when I express um, my light, I give people the other right, or, or pe- people the right to express their own. And that idea that when I become secure in the fact I'm a toenail, or whatever I may be, it frees other people to go, well, actually, I'm a, I'm a fingernail. Man, that's awesome. I can enjoy being that. And it's that it, it, it empowers the people because there's no competition. It's not like, oh, well, I'm not this, I'm not that. So I'm, I, this is who I am and I love it because I found it in the fact that I'm being conformed to the image of Jesus. That's what I'm aiming for. And then if people come and go, wow, I can just be who I have been called to be in that uniqueness, that, that, that individuality. And the idea of that, that we need each other, that every part needs the other parts to, to, to function, to flourish. And the last line of it kind of gives the whole game away. And I've kind of built up to that last line. It says this in verse 31 of chapter 12. It says this. He's talked about apostles and prophets. And again, those things are not wrong. They're not wrong. We go to the other extreme and go, well, we don't want anyone to have a title of anything. That's not the point. Because he talks about hand, foot, body. He talks about those things as unique things. So there's not wrong to have a title. It's when the title becomes the ultimate that it's wrong. But he's then saying, actually, the best way, verse 31, it says, look, the best way is to, to eagerly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And 1 Corinthians 13, I'm pretty sure it'll probably be at Beth and Matt's wedding, so every single wedding across the country, up and down the, the decades, across the year, is the kind of passage about love. 
because that is the best way because that is the way that when I'm fixed on love I'm fixed on Jesus and my eyes are there and that is the best way because when I have my eyes fixed and attached to him and I'm beholding him and being transformed into his image everything else becomes secondary call me what you want a positive thing a negative thing not bothered because my eyes are fixed on him because that's my goal that's my aim and you might say I'm a toenail and make that an and, and dismiss that because it's not any good but actually I'm fine with that because that's who he's made me to be I might be the most powerful hand there's ever been it doesn't bother me because I'm doing it because I want to fix my eyes on him and that's the point it's that kind of security that comes from those things and I'm saying all of that because we are a Barnabas community and the Barnabas community helps people forward on their journey and that, therefore it's important we realise actually what the, the destination of that journey is the destination of that journey is not that everyone has a title and everyone kind of knows who they are in that title. But the destination of that journey is that we are conformed to the image of Jesus. And in that process, there's uniqueness and difference that comes in. And that's important. But we need to understand where the, the signpost along that journey is. That it's to live and to love and to look like Jesus. To express who he is and who he's made us to be in that kind of transformation way. And therefore, I want to talk for the last few minutes is just to think of this, what we're talking about now, based for you and how it causes you to flourish and you to be expressed but also how we as a community will do that for other people that when they connect into us on a Sunday morning on a Wednesday in an event we do when you're at work when you're at home when they connect into us as a community one of us they're connecting to all of us and therefore think about what it looks like for them as well both for you but also for them I'm going to look at Barnabas um, I'm going to look at this idea of, of who Barnabas was and just one aspect of him and I'm really going to try and be disciplined and I've got my eye on the clock so if you just go to Acts 3 Acts 3 and verse 32 is where we kind of introduce the name of Barnabas I have speculations that he's in the accounts before that but I'm not going to go there right now because I can't prove it but this is where we introduced to him officially um, Acts 3 verse 32 I don't have a 32 no you don't have a 32 do you that's the wrong one that's why Acts 4 verse 32 sorry 4 verse 32 you don't have a 32 in your Bible I can't believe that you've got a dodgy Bible Luke. Come on, let's go. Um, it says this now Acts 4 verse 32 now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own but they had all things in common verse 33 and with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all nor was there any nor was anyone among them who lacked for all were possessors of lands or how or houses sold them and bought the proceeds the things that were sold um, and laid them at the apostles feet that they distributed to each as anyone had need so this idea that people are selling what they have and that's being bought and then distributed to everybody so everybody has need and has provision and those kind of things in the context of that is where we meet Barnabas for the first time and Joseph, or who was also named Barnabas by the apostles. So interestingly, not jumping too far ahead, Adam brought a prophetic word about being a renaming community. We're going to look at that late, later on. But the fascinating thing is that Barnabas himself was renamed by the apostles. And you only get renamed in a lot of situations, for one reason is that, the, that what you demonstrate is something. So they're renaming him something because of how he's behaving. Um, which is translated son of encouragement. A Levite of the country of of Cyprus having land he sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles feet the first thing I want to pull out about this is Barnabas was generous 
Now, generosity is measured in money. But it's not just measured in money, but it is measured in money. The Barnabas, I was just you had a generous heart. That the way he lived his life was one of generosity because he's called the son of encouragement. People who are encouraged tend to be generous of heart. That they're looking for the best in people. They're wanting to encourage people. And that generosity of heart also expresses itself in money. It also expresses itself in encouragement. It also expresses in every way that his heart was just given over to other people. That as a community... That, that, that is already something that marks us, but it will become something that continually marks us as a generous community, both financially, but also in the way that we are with people, the way that we treat people, the way that we accept people and love people. There's a generosity about this, man. There's a generosity about us as a community. Um, and it's important I wanted to open that because that, for me, captures something about who he is, that he is generous in his disposition. He is given over to that whatever's needed I want to meet that because I'm generous in my, my expression of those things. And then we jump along a bit and we'll go a little bit along the story. And I want you to just go to Acts 9. Now, the context of Acts 9 is that um, Acts 9, you've got a 45 in your book, Luke. Or you're, 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 no, 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 you haven't. No. Acts 9, verse 26. Acts 9, verse 26. And it says, um, the context of this story is that Saul has been persecuting the church that is that he has been killing christians and he is a he's a jew and he is he is anti the church anti this move that has happened in his mind since the death of jesus and, he, and, and the resurrection of jesus but from his point of view the death of jesus and therefore one of the accounts it talk, talks about is he was there when they were stoning um one of the pe- people that was involved called Stephen and he was there holding their coats and if in the modern times that would probably be literally um, as a fight at school the kid there with a the smartphone filming the fight that's going on that, that's what Saul's doing so he is encouraging and leading this persecution against the church now what had then, then happens is Paul as we know or Saul as we know meets Jesus on the road to Damascus and he encounters Jesus and therefore because of that encounter Paul, sorry, Saul changes and he is transformed in a real and genuine way. Now that doesn't mean necessarily that all his kind of old habits and things like that change instantly. Because we know that from life, that doesn't happen like that. We sometimes have old habits that say But he has changed. It also doesn't mean that his reputation has instantly been transformed. It just means that he's changed. And therefore, though he has genuinely changed... People are still basing him on the reputation he had before, which was that you are there to persecute and kill and, and stop what the church are doing. That, that's your aim. And therefore, in traditional kind of like um, whatever film and TV program you watch in kind of like uh, spook style, people are doubting his transformation. Because they're believing that he is pretending to be transformed to get into the church and then one within the church to destroy it from within. Um, because they believe the old him is still him as opposed to the new him um, which has happened and been transformed. So we pick up that kind of context. It's worth reading, it's interesting to read. But we pick up that kind of situation and Paul has, so Saul has not been just sitting about since this happened. He's been preaching about Jesus. He's been preaching and seeing genuine... Um, uh, change and transformation and arguing with the Jews who he's come from about the fact that Jesus is the Christ that this thing is real guys it's not some kind of thing they just cooked up and pretended it's real it's the one we've been waiting for so he's, he's going against um, those who he's come from and because of that he's being threatened and being attempted to be killed by 
by the ones he's come from. So imagine that. Imagine you in that situation. Imagine people out there in that situation encountered Jesus and they, they therefore, because of that, have been kicked out of their old community. The people who they were part of. And not just kicked out of, like we don't want to do with it, but attempted to be killed by their old community. He's then tried to come into the new community that he is now part of and has not been wholeheartedly received. Some people have, but wholeheart- he's not, not been wholeheartedly received. So he's in this kind of limbo land where he's not part of this anymore. He wants to be part of this, but he's not. And therefore he's in this limbo land. He's trying to do what Jesus has shown him and preach the reality of what he's encountered. And he's having some change with that, but people don't trust him. They don't believe in him. They don't, don't think of him. And we, and we pick up that kind of situation um, in verse 26. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem... He tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid, all afraid of him, and did not believe that he was a disciple. Verse 27 is the most powerful verse for us as a community, I believe, from this point on. And it says, but Barnabas. That Saul finds himself in a space where he's no longer accepted here, and yet isn't accepted here yet. But Barnabas. That those two little words will be something that Mark has and will continue to mark us in a fundamental way from now on. That we will be that but Barnabas. That point where whatever extreme of society it is, whatever place people are coming from, that we will see what God is doing and see the best in people even when other people don't. That Barnabas, in his generosity of heart, saw what was going on in a way that other people didn't. That same generosity of heart that caused him to give money was the same thing that enabled him to see beyond the reputation, beyond the history, beyond the baggage, beyond all the other stuff and go, no, there's something happening here. And he became the bridge. He became the point that enabled Saul to come in and be part of the church. And not just drift in, but to be fundamentally significant to the point, and I'm jumping ahead of myself here, but to the point that, that Saul, who later became Paul, wrote 13 books of the New Testament. That's a fourth of the New Testament. It's probably more significantly affected our understanding of God than any other writer of the New Testament. And yet, so much of that hangs on that word, but Barnabas. What about if that wasn't there? What about if Barnabas wasn't there? Paul would have probably, this this is obviously extra biblical, but Paul, Paul, Paul would have probably ended up killed by one or killed by the other. Shunned by one and killed by the other. Who knows? But Barnabas changed everything in that moment but Barnabas transformed but Barnabas took him I just love the language Barnabas took him he didn't just go yeah that guy's alright he took him he was like no no you're with me now you're with me and brought him to the apostles and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and now he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus so he, so he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. So Paul has now been accepted into this because of Barnabas. He's now involved in what they're doing because of Barnabas. Verse 29. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists, but they attempted to kill him. When the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. So now he's been protected by the community because of Barnabas. As a, for us as a community, there'll, there'll be something that happens when we go, when we step in and go, actually, no, you, you come with me. 
There's something happening on the inside of you. God is doing something on the inside of you that I can see. We may look stupid at points. We may look naive at points. We may look ridiculous at points, the outside mind. But we have gone, no, 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 there's something going on there. There may be some situations where we see something going on and there still needs to be something that happens that deals with inappropriate behaviour. I'm not saying we just go, right, come in, do whatever the heck you want to do. That's not the point of it. We can see the best in people, but sometimes their behaviour can be something that could be harmful to other people. And therefore we can still address behaviour, but we deal with behaviour based on seeing the best of them. So often I can get into the thing of just dealing with behaviour and ignoring the fact that this person is quality. And therefore my my way of dealing with behaviour is different. The other aspect of it is that there might be some people that we as a community see the best in, but actually there's nothing working in their life at the minute. There's no, God's not been able to start working in their life at the minute, whereas actually it's not safe for them to be brought in. Imagine, just for a moment, Paul, Saul hadn't changed. He was still the, the kind of church persecuting terrorist, effectively, of the time, wanting to kill these people, and Barnabas brought him in. He, he he'd have damaged and destroyed the church in that space because he'd have killed people he'd have undermined it my point isn't that we just go right where's the worst person in society let's bring them in that's not the point we can still believe the best in that person and look for the best in that that, that person that's committed horrendous atrocities but it doesn't necessarily mean that they get brought in if there's nothing working on them at the minute there is a difference if there's not a point of going, God's working on the inside of him, because Barnabas saw what God was doing on the inside of Paul. That's what he saw. Now, I don't want to go too far with this. When these people do these atrocious things and they do these horrendous things, it doesn't mean we don't see the best in them, but it might be there's stuff that needs to happen to protect other people because of their behaviour. And on a lesser scale, when people, someone comes in, God may be working on the inside of them. And absolutely, we see that. We bring them in, but then we help them by helping them deal with that behaviour that could damage other people. It's not that we just go, come in, do whatever the heck you want to do, we'll be fine. Because we have a responsibility to protect those that are here, as well as those that are coming in. And therefore, there's the way we manage that. But the point is, in all of those things, we see the very best in whoever it may be. Because we have a generous heart. And Barnabas saw the best when other people didn't. And therefore, the, there's a wisdom that comes with that. Because Barnabas was going, I can see it. I can see it in him. And I, therefore, I'm going to take him and stand with him. I'm going to make sure that, that he's accepted here and protected from that. There's a beautiful verse, the last verse, this. And it just stands in my, in my Bible. Probably not in Luke's Bible, because Luke's Bible is a bit weird. But in my Bible, it stands on its own. as its own verse, in its own chapter title or sorry section title it says this in verse 31 the title is the church prospers remember the context of what's just happened then the churches throughout all judea galilee and samaria had peace and were edified and walking in the fear of the lord and in the comfort of the holy spirit they were multiplied i'm not saying this is entirely down to this but it is affected by the fact that barnabas enabled saul to come into the church because saul had a had a gifting and a grace and a call on his life that edified the church in the same way that I and you have a gifting and a grace and a call that edifies the church if I exclude Beth the church misses out because of that because I don't if I act as Barnabas and be but Barnabas and bring her in the church is edified because of that in the same way that 
Barnabas brought Saul in, and therefore there was an edification of the whole. And therefore we need to, we are people, and we will continue to be people who be that but Barnabas to bridge the gap and bring people in. It doesn't just benefit the person, but it benefits the whole. Because now we're getting another part of the body, a hand or a foot or another toenail or whatever it may be, that comes in and edifies the whole because it's part of the body. And therefore we bridge that not just for the person, but we bridge it for the whole. Not just even hope springs, but for the whole. And it has an impact on those things. Almost done. As I said before, Paul went on to write 13 books of the New Testament. Most of the ones we read are written by him in the New Testament. He had a significant impact on seeing the church advance and reach different places and different regions and those kind of things. He, he had a, a significant advance on shaping the way that we think about Jesus and who Jesus was. His encounter and relationship with Jesus was significant for all of us, even today, which is phenomenal when you think about it 2,000 years later. That he, he suffered and was challenged and, 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 and dealt with more than most did in that time. And so much of that hung on but Barnabas. And Barnabas didn't write any books of the New Testament, didn't write any. Barnabas did do some stuff in terms of advancing the church, but not to the level that Paul did, in terms of the, that's at least recorded. But Barnabas plays a, such a significant role in that transition, in helping Saul, who became Paul, on his journey. And he may not be accounted about and talked about in the same way that, that, that Paul is. He may not even be talked about in the same way that some of the other apostles and disciples were. But he was faithful to what he was given. He was faithful to who he was and who God had made him because he was ultimately, I believe, caught with the fact that I've seen Jesus and therefore I want to be conformed to that image. And that image is one that's generous in heart. Therefore I will see the best in people. I will, I will bridge the gap for people. I will help people on their journey. And I'm not bothered whether I get the acclaim. I'm not bothered whether I get the, the reputation. I'm not bothered whether I get talked about. What I'm bothered about is that I've been faithful to what he's given me to do. And for us as a community, that is who we are. That we will be a place where we bridge the gap for people who are not accepted in other spaces. For whatever reason. Because we see something of God that's working on the inside of them. We will be people who, who just help people forward and empower people on their journey. It may be for a year. Do you know what I mean? We may have people that come in for a year and we can't think of it in a traditional way that, that, that challenges our thinking so much that someone comes in for you and then they go, that's not successful. Because it's not made our community grow in number. It's not, it's not the way God works. That people can come in get what they need even in the expression of interesting what Sue said she said as you come in this morning got topped up in a mini microcosmic way that is it that some people will come and be in for six months a year and then we will empower them on their journey and they'll go that's success that's success because we're not measuring it based on numbers if I measure it based on numbers then I keep them in it's like, okay, well, no, you've got to stay. Because <laughs> otherwise we look like we're not successful. And no, 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 we're not there to, to build a huge thing. It may be big, who knows? It doesn't matter. The point is we're there to help people fall on their journey. Some people may come in and be with us for 30, 40, 50 years. Maybe like generations that stay because that is helping them forward on their journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the point is that's what we are. And we may never have the reputation. We may 
Now we'll be kind of talked about as oh, look what they did, but that's not the point. The point is that we're faithful to what God's given us. And the second part of that is, imagine what it's going to look like. Barnabas may not, may have done, I don't know, have seen the potential in Paul t- to the degree that it went to. He may not have done. But imagine the people you meet at work. Imagine the people that you just feel drawn to. There's just something, there's something of God that's happening in there. The, there's something that's now where I need to work now. Imagine where that goes. Imagine what happens. Imagine what the possibility is going to be as we act as that bridge, that Barnabas, for that person. Imagine for you sitting in this room now, for me sitting in this room now, imagine what that's going to look like. Imagine where it's going to go. Imagine where, where it's going to go from Malcolm. Imagine where it's going to go from Matt. In terms of like what, what's the potential of what that looks like as we be, as a community, that but Barnabas to one another, as well as the people that, that we meet or work in the home. Imagine what it's going to look like. And that, that's my challenge for you this week, to imagine what it's going to look like. To start as we meet with the people at work, think, okay, what's it going to look like? What can I be right now to be that but Barnabas? To be that person that helps you forward on, the, on your journey? What is it in this moment that I can do that's going to see you move forward? Because we may never be recognised for that. We may never have the acclaim. But that is a beautiful thing to know, man, we helped you forward on your journey. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I remember Bill Johnson saying once, he said, I'm not bothered whether they're remembered on earth, um, but I'm bothered whether they know me in hell and then whether they know me in heaven. And in the sense that, for me, as we talked about this morning, it's not about this seen realm, in the sense of like, whatever it may be, name, acclaim, whatever. It's about the unseen realm. Are we faithful with what God's given us? Because when we're faithful with what God's given us, we change the unseen realm. And, it, and, and that, that is eternally significant eternally significant and therefore my challenge is to imagine what is it going to look like for you and what is it going to look like for the people as we help people forward on their journey so Jesus I thank you for what you're building on amongst us I thank you that you are doing something wonderful and I just ask this week Holy Spirit that you would paint our imaginations with the pictures of heaven with the pictures of what's possible with the pictures of what what is to come and you'd help us be caught with what you've shown us as opposed to being caught with what we think it should be help us be caught with what you've shown us and help us just be caught with you Jesus help us just be caught, caught with the fact that we're called to be conformed to your image help us be realising that we're on that journey and we're going to help other people on that journey too in Jesus name Amen